Thank you. You may be seated. What a joy to sing the truth of God's grace, His amazing grace today. And I, I just pray if you're here and you don't know that you are a child of God, I pray that you would come to know your, uh, the love of the Father for you to be His son, His daughter this morning. Well, we are in the midst of a, a series that started a, a few weeks ago in um, start this new year, kind of looking at uh, the question, why? And we started by looking at why church? <laughs> why are we here this morning? Why do we belong to a church? And we talked about how the church is really a people. It's God's holy people. It's not the building or the organization. It's us, that we are called to be God's people set apart for his purposes and his plan. And that's what we talked about, that church wasn't our idea. This wasn't a pastor's idea or a man's idea. This was God's idea. It's revealed to us in the scripture that God came up with this idea. And we looked at the verses that talk about us as a church being God's uh, dwelling place. We're his temple (laughs) where he dwells. And we as his people, we're his body and we're his bride. And we talked about how we are learning together how to worship Him, to love Him with all our hearts, with our soul and our strength. And we're learning to love each other. (laughs) We're learning to love others. And this is God's purpose, the why of church. And then last week, Nick uh, led us into uh, examining who God has revealed Himself as uh, God, one God, as three persons, Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and we believe that Jesus came for this very reason into this world to reveal to to show us who God truly is and as Nick said so well God is essentially love and we see that in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in their love and their community and their self-sacrifice and their in their glorifying of one another and Jesus reveals that to us Our dilemma as human beings, though we are created in God's image as relational beings, we experience so much broken relationship. And so that's why God reveals perfect relationship, that God is essentially a relational being and invites us into relationships. And last week, Nick brought up an image, and I want to show you that again as we go through this series. We're really looking at uh, our purpose as a church here at Rimrock. Though we are part of the universal church, uh, God's people, as, as Ted said, are found on the reservation. They're found in every country, every tribe, every nation. But when God talks to the church, he always talks to the local church. And we are the people gathered here. And so as we look at what is God's purpose for us, it begins with God. And as Nick shared with us last week, what's so important for us individually is that God is at the center of each of our lives. Is true for us corporately that God is at the very center. He is the most important relationship. He is the one that we ultimately need, what we ultimately derive life from. And so it's God at the center. And so we must learn to get ourselves out of the center (laughs) and focus on God as the essential and the most greatest treasure, most worthy of our worship. But out of that, we see other relationships and purposes that God has for us. And so for the next two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be in that second circle about our other relationships, what is the purpose, the why of our other relationships with people closest to us? And so this morning what we're really asking or answering the question is why disciple? Why disciple? 
We're going to be reading through uh, several different passages, so I won't ask you to stand, but if you have your Bibles or on your phone, if you open to Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at Jesus and his purpose in making disciples here on earth because he models, he shows us God's heart. He reveals to us what we're to be about as his people. And so in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, 17, we're told Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting the net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Any fishermen here this morning? (laughs) God loves fishermen. Let's just (laughs) put that out there because Jesus went to the fishermen. He saw them and he said in verse 17, come, follow me. And Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. In another gospel, it says specifically to Peter, Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And so here we see a purpose of Jesus, of God, in making disciples. And so we're going to be following this morning a little bit of the life of Peter as a model and as an example for us. I think of what God wants to do in all of us, that he wants to do in you and he wants to do in me. And so I want to just observe first that this started with God, that Jesus initiated (laughs) Peter wasn't out looking to become a disciple. He wasn't out looking for God. God was looking for him. Do you notice that? (laughs) He saw Peter and he saw his brother Andrew. And here's what I want you to hold on to is God sees you. He knows your name and he calls you to follow him. When we talk about disciple, we must realize that this starts with God, that God takes the initiative he takes the first step and that is so important for us to realize that God chooses us that he appoints us that he adopts us you can see this in Ephesians chapter 1 we're not going to be able to read it this morning but if you go sometime this week and open your Bible to the book of Ephesians and you begin to read read that chapter 1 you begin to realize God's immense love for you it says that he chose us before the very creation of the world And that he lavished his love and his grace on us. And that he saves us. And that he gives to us. And so God takes the initiative. I think one of the things I've realized about myself and about a lot of people is that we have many times because of sin, the spirit of rejection in our lives. We feel like we're nobodies. (laughs) We feel like many times that we don't have any significance. And that is such a battle for us because we were created for significance. It's deep within our bones that we long for significance. I think that's why if you go on social media, (laughs) you see people putting their pictures out there and everything they've done, their exploits, because they want to be noticed. They want to be seen. That is deeply human. And so the problem for us as sinful human beings is we look for our significance in so many things. (laughs) We look for it in all the wrong places. We look for other people's attention. We look for possessions or achievements or money. But we know, and the Bible reveals to us, that these things fall short of giving us true significance. They're temporary. Jesus said these things can be stolen. They can be, um, they can be destroyed. These things do not last. And so what Jesus, I see here with Peter and Andrew, is he sees them and he gives them significance and I believe he also gives them security because I think that's another deep 
human longing is to be secure. And we many times experience that spirit of rejection as people and so we struggle in our relationships because we've been hurt or we've been rejected or we haven't been wanted. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 3 as we continue to see how Jesus begins to call his disciples to himself. In verse 13, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. Can you say, those he wanted? Would you say that out loud? Those he wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Would you say with me that they might be with him? That's significant. And we're told that he pointed those 12 that he might send them out to preach. And so what I see here is God is looking at our need for significance, for security, and to be known. I think it's so important that we realize that as Jesus called his disciples to him, he wasn't looking for what they could offer. In fact, uh, if we're honest, we look at who Jesus is calling, if we look at the lives of these twelves, their resumes weren't the most impressive. <laughs> these weren't the cream of the crop that government or sports or entertainment weren't looking for these guys. In fact, a lot of these guys probably felt like many of us feel like nobodies in this world. And so they didn't have much to offer, but look what Jesus says. He says he wanted them. He desired them. That is so important for you to realize as when God sees you and he calls you he wants you <laughs> those he calls he loves he desires them and in this world a lot of times relationships are built on what we can get from someone and so a lot of times we go through this life feeling used and abused right so many of us have had that experience of not only rejection but also being used and abused but what we see in Jesus is different he doesn't want to use them. He wants them to be with them. He wants a relationship with them. He wants them to know him, and he wants to know them. That's very different. That's radical. That's upside down for how this world works. Jesus is showing us a new way, the way of God. And so not only do we see in Jesus that he wants a relationship, but he gives us that significance, that purpose. He calls his disciples to relationship, to be known, but he calls them to be participants in what God is doing. He gives them a job. He gives them a reason to follow him, to preach, to cast out demons. He has called us to be his disciples, but also to give like God gives towards others. And so what we see in Jesus is an invitation to truly be who God created us to be, <laughs> to be loved, to be known, and to have a significant purpose that no one or nothing could ever take away from us because it's given by God. And so, disciple, when we talk about it, it really begins with an encounter with God. If you look at the disciples as they weren't forced, but they, they willingly came to him. And so as God calls your name, as you begin to understand that he gives you significance and love and purpose in this world and security. I believe that our salvation, our relationship with God can never be taken away. I believe it's secure. I believe you cannot lose it. That what God gives cannot be lost. But as you look at that, you begin to see that it begins with an experience with God. We must come to God. That's why he's at the very center. He's the most central, important, treasured relationship 
that we could ever have. And that is the invitation that Jesus makes to us this morning. Know that you're not a nobody, <laughs> that you're wanted, and that you want that God wants to know you and be in relationship with you and that he has a calling and a purpose for your life. I love what Ted shared with us this morning about his name, that he has staked his life on that calling, on that relationship with Jesus. And so out of that relationship comes a transformation of our very being. And so if the first step is to experience the love of God, the second step is to embrace the grace of God. If you go on Mark, if you keep going from chapter 1 to chapter 3 to chapter 4, we see a story because if you think about Peter and his call to follow Jesus, I think he had an idea that, hey, from now on, everything's going to go great. <laughs> and how many of you, when you first heard the voice of Jesus to call you, thought, now my life's going to be all smooth sailing, <laughs> right? Surprise. And that's why we need to look at how Peter and how God interacted with him so that we know how God interacts with us. God uses storms and difficulty in our lives because he wants to transform us. He wants to make us into new kinds of people. So Mark chapter 4, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, a storm, and the waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, and he was sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I think some of you here this morning are going through a storm. And it's interesting that Peter didn't go through just one storm. If you read the Gospels, they went through various storms. <laughs> Big storms. Storms that scared them and shook them to the very core. And what we see here is the disciples, and we're told in other places, they thought they were going to die. And their question was, God, don't you care? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever been in the middle of the storm and wondered, where's God? <laughs> Does he care about me? I think this is important that we have this story because it's our experience whether it's a battle with cancer or an illness or a loved one that is suffering or going through a hard time or a job loss or financial difficulty or whatever storm with it's in your family, with your kids or your parents. If you think about that, you think about that experience in your life and how it shakes you to the core and it exposes so much of what is broken within us. And what we see in Peter and the disciples is what? Fear. <laughs> Fear. They were afraid. And so many times we are afraid. So many times when we're in the storm, anger comes out and selfishness and greed and all kinds of ugly things come out of our lives in the storm. And so what we see in the Bible and we answer this question, why disciple? We see God's purpose to not only call us to follow him, to be in relationship with him, but also to be transformed. And it begins with trust. 
It begins with trust. You see, Jesus kept taking the disciples through the storms because he was addressing the deepest issues of their lives, the deepest issues of who they were, and he was teaching them that they could trust him because Jesus didn't leave the boat. <laughs> he was there the whole time. <laughs> he was in the middle of the storm with them, and I think so many of you, when you're going through the storm, it feels like God is far, but that's when he's the closest. That's when he's the nearest, is in the middle of those most difficult times of your life, and he's revealing his purpose and his plan to, tr to transform you and make you into a new kind of person. And so God loves us too much to leave us the same. That's why Jesus said, come follow me and I will make. You see, his invitation is to make us into a new kind of person. I, this summer, I, was, I, I heard a radio pro broadcast about a caterpillar and the scientists, they were trying to figure out what happens in that cocoon. Because the, the thinking was, you know, the, the caterpillar must just slowly change, you know, kind of grow a, a little wing and just kind of, you know, stays a caterpillar but turns into a butterfly and it's just a slow, slow change. But they were shocked when they opened up the cocoon and they realized, and as they studied, is that there was no caterpillar in that cocoon. In fact, it was just a, a goo of cells. And so, in a sense, that caterpillar had to be completely undone. It was completely gone. And God was creating something completely new. And that's called metamorphosis. That's transformation. That is what God is doing with us. The Paul, Apostle Paul said, the old is gone. <laughs> it's dead. And the new has come. You are a new creation. You see, God wants to destroy and undo everything that is broken and dark and ugly in us. He's making us into a new kind of people. A people that reflect His glory and His purposes and the image that we were created in, in His image. And so this is the transformation process. And God's plan is to use storms. He uses difficulty. He uses the hardest things in our lives to bring about the death of the old and the birth of the new. And Jesus is involved in that. <laughs> he doesn't leave us alone in that. In fact, we can't do that on our own. This is a miraculous work of God. This is the gospel of grace. This is the grace of God being worked out in our lives. And so, if we think about Peter and storms, the biggest storm came at the end of Jesus' life because Jesus went to the cross. He went to that dark place of suffering, of darkness, of trial, of storm. Jesus went there. And Peter was surprised. <laughs> he wasn't expecting that. It, it was beyond his comprehension that God would choose to die. And so in his weakness and his fear in that courtyard as, a, as, a, as a, a girl came up to him and said, you belong to Jesus, you're one of his disciples, what did Peter say? He said, no, no, not me. And she asked him three times. And three times he said, no, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. And so we see Peter go through another storm. But I want you to remember that God used that in Peter's life because we see that in John chapter 21. And so if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, starting in verse 15, we see Jesus interacting with Peter after his resurrection. 
after Peter's denial. And when they had finished eating, they're on the beach. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, Peter's greatest storm became the start of his greatest victory <laughs> and the greatest purpose of his life. Think about that. Think about that in your storms. Even though you're weak, and even though you feel helpless, and even though you make decisions that you might be regret, God doesn't, reg- he doesn't abandon you. He doesn't leave you. In fact, he could have just said, forget Peter, but what did he do? He found Peter. <laughs> he found him, and he loved him, and he accepted him, and he transforms him. And he calls him to something new. Instead of fear and selfishness, Jesus calls Peter to love, to worship. Remember the greatest command, to love God with all our heart, our soul, and strength. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you worship me? Do you realize the treasure that I am? Do you realize what I've called you to be? And then he gives Peter a mission to love others to care for others, to give his life for the benefit of others, just as Jesus has given his life for our benefit. And so what you see is the transforming work of God in a disciple's life. (laughs) And that's what he's doing in me. That's what he's doing in you. He's not wasting anything. He's using it, growing you, turning you into something new and wonderful and beautiful. So this week, um, after a, uh, a day, and I had uh, gone to a, a meeting that night, and I got home, and I flipped on the news, and uh, we are pretty much conditioned that the news is going to be about uh, humanity and, the, and the, just the, the, yeah, the human story, right, of struggle and difficulty. And a lot of us look at the news and we say, man, we live in a dark world. But the news hardly ever focuses on God. So it caught my attention when I flipped on this uh, uh, channel and the story was about God because that doesn't happen very often. And it was a woman from Vietnam and she was sharing her story. And she uh, became famous through a photograph that was taken because uh, in the Vietnam War there had been some, uh, some mistakes of bombs dropped in places that weren't meant to be dropped and and that happened to this woman and some soldiers were coming towards a village and a napalm bomb had been dropped on that village and the soldiers took some photographs of kids running from that village and this girl was captured wailing and, and just in agony because everything had been burned off of her she had no clothes and she her skin was burned off and so it was a horrible image but she survived And so they were interviewing this woman and asking her about her life since that moment. And they asked her, what what were you thinking? What were you feeling in that moment when that picture was taken? 
And she described so much pain and so much shame. And I, I couldn't help but think about that, that picture and think about Jesus on the cross because Jesus was absolutely naked on that cross, totally exposed, being mocked and beaten and spit upon. The horror of humanity was at that moment being expressed. And I thought of that picture and the fact that Jesus was thinking about that little girl on the cross. He saw the reality of the human condition, the reality of what we've done to ourselves as human beings. And he loved us. And I thought about that. And she said her heart was so filled with pain and anger and bitterness. And she said she hated her enemies. And, and she was to the point where she was ready to commit suicide. She didn't have any significance, any reason to live, she thought. And she said it was a Christmas day. And she was walking around a city. I can't remember which one. But she went into a library. And she found a New Testament. And she began to read that New Testament and she began to realize that Jesus came for her <laughs> and she began to realize that Jesus loved her and called her to be his disciple and she said at that moment she surrendered her life to Jesus she heard those words come follow me and she began to follow Jesus and she said God did a miracle and the pain and the anger and the hatred and the bitterness was gone <laughs> and God filled her life with peace and joy and love and she began to realize that she could love her enemies. And what was amazing about that story is it didn't stop there. As she began to, to grow in her faith and her walk with Jesus and began to be a full disciple of Jesus, began to realize that her purpose was to love others. And now she spends her days helping and loving kids who've been through trauma, sharing with them the hope that she found in Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, this is what the world needs. This is why Jesus came. Because he saw our condition. He saw what we were doing to ourselves and to our world around us. And he wanted us to know there's another way, that we were created for another purpose, that we were created to worship God, to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And in loving him, we would learn to love others. That's why Peter later writes a book called 1 Peter. And this is what he says. He says, As you come to him, the living stone, this is Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, you're precious, called by God, called to be his disciples, are being built into a spiritual house. We are his people. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You were called to be a worshiper. And then the second purpose, Peter says, is to learn to love. He says, at the end of all, things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. And so what do we do in this dark world? This is what he says. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received and serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God might be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever.
Tom, would you come on up and lead us in a song? Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us disciples. I pray that every person here would know that they're wanted. They're called to a relationship with you and that you have a purpose for them, a love for them to share with others. You've given them gifts to serve and to be your representative, your ambassador to the people in their lives. Amen.